0: following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, January 10th, 2021, on the basis of Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Did it hit you like it hit me this past week? Maybe it was the fact that after two straight fun and exciting holiday weekends, you were back to the daily grind. Maybe it was the fact that those Christmas lights and decorations that you were so excited to get up and put out back in November finally had to be taken down. Maybe you stepped on the scale and you realized the impact that the holidays had had on your weight. Maybe you opened up a credit card statement and realized the impact that the holidays had had on your wallet. Maybe it was the fact that after all the excitement about the rollout of several vaccines, it hit you that this pandemic life that we've gotten so used to is is still going to go on for a bit. Maybe the New Year's resolutions that you made were already broken. Maybe it was the fact that it wasn't just Cloudy for most of the week, but that those clouds enveloped us and and didn't seem to want to leave. Was this week a bit of a downer for you? If so, you're not alone. In fact, we are just eight days away from what has unofficially been named Blue Monday. Some very smart people have done some very scientific calculations to figure out that each and every year, the third Monday in the month of January is the saddest day of the entire year. kind of makes me rethink the image that I decided to use for our current Epiphany worship series. You picture that lake, so beautiful, so calm, so still, so serene, And yet, of course, there are pictures of lakes that are just as still, just as calm, just as serene, that look nothing like that. Serene can just as easily be stagnant. And still can just as easily be stale. In fact, sometimes around this time of year, we talk about being stuck in the winter doldrums. And a doldrum is is simply a period of time where everything is calm, where everything is stable, where everything is still. And yet I I think we know that if you're stuck in a doldrum, that's not a good place for you to be. Sounds like we need someone to come along and make some waves in our life. And that's exactly what we're talking about during this Epiphany worship series. How wherever Jesus sets foot in our world and in our lives, he makes waves. Waves. He leaves nothing undisturbed. And today we're going to see how Jesus takes lives that can very easily be stale and stagnant and he disturbs them. He disturbs them with purpose and meaning. He disturbs them with excitement and fulfillment. And the good news is it doesn't even matter what time of year it is. We can be sitting here eight days away from the saddest day of the year and still Jesus brings those brings those blessings into our lives. He still makes waves in that way. As we look at these verses from Isaiah 49 this morning, we're going to see that the cure for life's doldrums is in the Lord's hand. As Isaiah points us to that cure, he actually tells us about a person. Maybe if you've ever felt stuck in a rut, you've you've tried to get out of it by picturing someone that you know in your life who maybe has the kind of life that you want to have. And so Isaiah tells us about this, this person. And not just any person, really this is the ultimate person. He is the epitome of humanity. Everything that God created human beings to do, he has that title, the servant of the Lord. In fact, the person that Isaiah is talking about Is Jesus. He's actually the one talking in these verses. And he says that even before he was born, while he was still in his mother's womb, the Lord knew him by name and the Lord called him for a very special purpose. In fact, he describes it this way that the Lord took him and put him in his hand because he wanted to use him to do some very big and very important things. So, first of all, he says that the Lord held him in his hand like a weapon. The Lord was going to use him to fight. Not earthly enemies, not for worldly kingdoms, but spiritual battles against spiritual enemies and spiritual ideas. How do we know? Because the servant says that it's his mouth. It's the words that he would speak, not the missiles that he would launch, that the Lord would hold in his hand as a weapon. He goes on to say that the Lord would hold him in his hand like a mirror. The Lord would use him to display his splendor. So everything that makes God who he is, everything that makes him awesome and majestic and glorious and worthy of our praise, all of that would be reflected as in a mirror in this servant for all the world to see. And finally, he says that the Lord would hold him in his hand like a lamp a lamp to bring light to those who were stuck in darkness, a lamp to help people see the truth about God and thus be saved. And in fact, the Lord says that it would be much too small of a thing for this servant to do that for just one group of people, for one nation. That would be too small. He says he's going to make him a lamp, a light that would bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So this servant this ultimate human being, this epitome of humanity, he finds life's point in the Lord's hand, in being that weapon, in being that mirror, in being that lamp. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the kind of life that is the exact opposite of stale and stagnant and boring and mundane You see, we rightly sense and we rightly want for our lives to matter, for them to mean something, for there to be a point. Even though we are just tiny human beings standing on this great big planet, even though we are just individual human beings in an ocean full of billions of others, and even though our brief time on earth is nothing more than a blip against the vast timeline of human history, we still sense and want, and rightly so, for our lives to matter. If our time here on earth is sort of our our chance to step on the scales of human history, we want those scales to say something. We want that scale to move. And in fact, even after we step off of the scale and our life is over, we want to have left some sort of mark, to have made some sort of difference. That's why that word that the Lord uses is so important. As he thinks about his servant, being a light that would bring salvation to just one group of people, one nation. He doesn't say that that would be evil. He says that that would be too small. That would be too insignificant. That wouldn't be heavy and significant and important enough. In fact, I think when our lives feel stale and stagnant and boring and mundane, perhaps it's because we've chosen to make the point of our lives things that can be described in just the same way. So for example, we might think to ourselves, I know what I'll do. I'm going to make my work the point of my life. So first comes The education that I need to get, of course, and and the small fortune that that education is going to cost. And then, as soon as that education is done, then the work starts the hard work, the long work, the evenings and the weekends, the neglecting of family, the answering emails while I'm lying in bed at night. And what's it all for? So that I can have the best possible job and the highest possible title that I can achieve. Ready? Did you feel anything? Did anything happen? Or I know what I'll do. I'll make my hobbies the point of my life. Or maybe the hobbies that my children have. So every practice, every lesson, every club, every team, everything else in life has to figure out how to fit around all of that and squeeze into all of the cracks. And what's it all for? So that I can make first string on the team, so I can make first chair in the orchestra, so I can win first place in the competition. Do you feel anything? anything change? Anything big happen? Or we might think, I know what I'll do. I'll I'll make the point of my life something much more noble than that. I'll make it about the, the healthy and the environmentally responsible choices that I make about what to eat and what to drive and what products to use. I'll make it about social causes and political activism I'll make sure that I stay fully up to date on all of the latest news and make sure that everyone knows that I am very much in favor of the latest and greatest virtues that our society happens to be championing at the moment. Again, friends, the adjective is not evil. It's not sinful. It's not wrong. It's small. Each and every one of those things may well have a place in our lives. But none of those things is big enough to be the point of our lives. But instead, to find that point in the Lord's hand. To be the Lord's weapon in the spiritual battles that he is fighting. To make sure that the thing in life around which everything else has to fit is not work or hobbies or school. Instead, it's, it's hearing the words of the servant of the Lord here in church and in our homes during the week and watching as how God uses those words to thwart the evil intentions that the devil surely has for us and for our families, to view ourselves as a mirror in the Lord's hands, that as we work, as we go to school, as we have hobbies, all of which are wonderful blessings from God, the thing that we want people to see, the thing that we want to reflect not how smart and talented we are. It's not our stances on this, that, or the other issue. Instead, we want to reflect, as if in a mirror, what our God is like. His patience, his compassion, his care, his kindness. And to view ourselves as that lamp in the Lord's hand, to have our eyes open to people in our world, people in our lives who are stuck in darkness, I mean, if this past week has been difficult for you, if this entire past year has been difficult for you, imagine what it's like for someone who doesn't know Jesus. So to have your eyes open for those opportunities to shine a spotlight on God's love, to find that point in the Lord's hand and then watch as the scales of history tip and as the earth beneath our feet begins to move. But will it really? I mean, it's one thing for all of our time and effort that we put into life, it's one thing for it to matter, but it's quite another thing for it to actually work, for, actu- for it to actually be effective. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons why the third Monday in January is known as the saddest day of the year. I mean, think about it. We've just come off of Christmas. we put all of this time and energy and effort into Christmas, maybe even believing that it's going to have some sort of magical and permanent effect on our lives. And then it's over, and everything is the same. Or we spend all this money on making sure that we find just the right gift for every single person on our list. And then we realize that the bang wasn't even close to being worth the buck. I'm sure that the ultimate human being, the epitome of all humanity, would never feel like that, right? As if their time and effort were pointless. Well, listen to what he actually says. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Even Jesus could look at his life, and if it were judged from an earthly perspective— he would conclude that it was all a big failure, that it was all for nothing. I mean, think about it. His own people rejected him. His closest friends abandoned him. And every single person who lived in his day who had power or influence or importance, even though they disagreed about all kinds of other things, they all agreed about one thing, that Jesus needed to be put to death. He had every reason to believe that everything he did was for absolutely nothing. And yet... He says, What is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. So, the ultimate impact, the ultimate results of Jesus' life, was not found in the hands of the people who rejected him and who crucified him. Instead, it was found in the hand of the Lord. It was found in the hand of the one who raised him from the dead, who seated him at his right hand in heaven, who has given him a name that is known and worshipped by billions and a name that one day will be known and worshipped by all. This servant of the Lord, this ultimate human being, didn't just find life's point in the Lord's hand, he also found life's payoff in the Lord's hand as well. So friends, if you find life's point in being that weapon, that mirror, that lamp in the Lord's hand, do you know what you're going to get for it? When you show up at at work tomorrow morning or school or you you log in to work or school tomorrow morning, do you know what's going to be waiting for you? If you go on all your social media accounts and you you check your wall, you check your timeline to see what what people are saying, do you know what you're going to find? If you log into your bank account, to see if there's been any sudden and unexpected influxes of income, do you know what is going to be there waiting for you? Odds are, more often than not, a whole lot of nothing. If you are looking for praise, if you are looking for a plaque, if you are even looking for a pat on the back for making the point of your life to be that instrument in the Lord's hand, well, I can't guarantee that you'll never get anything for it. But I can guarantee that no matter what you would get from other human beings, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough to make you feel as though it was worth it, that it, that it mattered, that it worked. Instead, find that payoff in the hand of the Lord. The one who raised Jesus, the one who seated him at his right hand, has a reward for you as well. So the ultimate human being, the epitome of all humanity, finds life's point and life's payoff in the hand of the Lord. Do you feel better? You instantly snapped out of those winter doldrums once and for all? I'm guessing perhaps not, and, and I'm guessing there's a good reason for that. You see, sometimes when we think about that person we know who maybe has the life that we want to have, rather than it inspiring us or motivating us, it actually makes us feel worse about ourselves. It makes us realize just how different, how far short we fall. And so yes, as we look at these verses, Jesus is the ultimate person. He is the epitome of humanity. And we are not. And we cannot possibly be. And so that's why there's one more thing that we need to see today that we can find in the Lord's hand. Over the course of of the past month or so that we've Owned a dog in our house, we have realized, or I guess you could say the puppy has realized that anytime you go up to a dog, you probably know this, with a with a closed hand, the dog quickly learns to expect that there's something good inside of there, right? Some sort of treat that they want, something that they desire. In the same way, when our lives feel stale and stagnant, when we realize that we are not the human beings that God has created us to be, God has given us every reason in the world to trust. That if we go looking for the blessing that we need in his hand, we are going to find it. And when our Lord opens up that hand, do you know what's inside? He's got water in there. That's what those other two readings today teach us. That first of all, in Jesus' baptism, that water, the water of baptism, connected him with all of us, that at Jesus' baptism, that ultimate human being stood in line with all of the misfits and all of the failures that make up the rest of the human race. In fact, at his baptism, he willingly placed himself under our sin, under that sin's guilt, and therefore under that guilt's punishment. But Paul also tells us in in Romans chapter 6 that at our baptism, through that very same water, The flip side happens for us. That just as Jesus was connected to us in our baptism, so in our baptism, we become connected to him. That that misfit and that failure of a human being that we are and so often feel like is drowned beneath those waters, is buried with Jesus into death, and in the very same breath, something new is brought forth. A brand new life that has been completely swallowed up in Jesus' life. A life where where his status, the status of of being the ultimate human being, a status where there is no shame, no disappointment, no frustration in the Father's eyes, but only pride and joy, that status is our status. It's a life where where the point to be that instrument in in the Lord's hand, to tip the scales of human history and shake the ground beneath our feet, that point of life, that story, becomes our story and finally that payoff that reward of glory and honor and majesty on an infinite and eternal scale that payoff becomes our payoff our baptism has united us with jesus christ and caused our entire life to be swallowed up in his which means that you don't have to wait Otherwise, that would be your only other option, believe it or not. There is a a corresponding happiest day of the year that goes along with the saddest day of the year. After the the weather has warmed up and the days have gotten about as long as they can possibly get and we've had plenty of time to replenish our our bank accounts after Christmas and plenty of time to, to work off all of the calories and there's nothing but sunshine and happiness lying in front of us on the fourth Friday in June. That is the happiest day of the year. But thankfully, you don't have to wait until then. Instead, you can just add water. You can look to your baptism, and in that baptism, find a status, find a story, find a destiny that has all been swallowed up in Jesus. Whether it feels like the happiest day of the year or the saddest day of the year, if you look to the Lord's hand for life's point and life's payoff, you will always find it. Amen.